Please turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3. Paul's letter to the Romans, the third chapter. Romans chapter 3, and in a moment we're going to be reading from verses 9 to verse 20 of Romans chapter 3. This will be part of our essentials of a healthy church, essentials of a healthy church. And in previous sermons in this series, we looked at worship. We looked at the necessity of the purity of worship. We looked at the necessity of faith in worship for our offering to be acceptable before God. We will be coming back to worship in other sermons in this series. But we must see as we come to worship before God to be a healthy church. That we are sinners. And that we even take this personally. That we say, I am a sinner. We still are sinners. Our sin. If we or any church wants to be a healthy church, it needs to see the depths of what God has rescued us from. And we see this more and more as we grow in grace. That way we see The goodness of God, the glory of God, and the love of God because of what he has rescued us from. Dear friends, we do not want to be blind to our sin. Dear friends, we do not want to play down our sin. Because if we do, we also play down the goodness of God, the mercy of God, and the kindness of God in saving sinners such as us. It is a path to unbelief. I wonder if I could speak to the boys and girls here this morning. Boys and girls, have you ever had to say sorry to someone? Have you ever done something wrong and your parents or maybe a teacher in school and says, you have to say sorry. Maybe you pushed somebody. Maybe you were having a fight with them. Maybe you lied. And you should say sorry, shouldn't you? It's a good thing to say sorry if you've done something wrong. But what if you think, I didn't do anything wrong. There's nothing wrong in what I did. You still say sorry because people expect you to say sorry. Are you really sorry if you don't think you did something wrong? Is it really saying sorry? No, it's not. And... Boys and girls, God knows our hearts, doesn't he? God knows our hearts. So if we come before him and say, sorry, forgive me, O God, he will know if we are sincere or not. He will know if we're really sorry. And if we come before God and say sorry to him, we have to see that what we did was wrong. What we did against God is wrong. And we deserve hell for what he has done. For we have, what we have done against him. But there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. If, boys and girls, if you come and you see, I have done wrong, I am a sinner, I have broken God's law, I deserve hell. And if you say sorry to God and you trust in Jesus alone, he will forgive you. But you have to see. What do we have to see? All of us have to see. Whether we're young, 
You could be five years old, 15 years old, 100 years old. You have to see you're a sinner. And if you don't see you're a sinner, there's no hope for you. If you don't see that you've done something wrong, well, then you're sorry doesn't really mean anything, does it? So when we say sorry to God and we trust in Jesus, we have to see that our sin is bad, that we've done wrong things, but there's forgiveness in Jesus Christ. So as we look now at God's holy and infallible word, I want us to think about this this morning, that we would see, all of us, that we would see our own sin, not the sin of others, this our own sin. So Romans chapter 3, verses 9 down to verse 20, let us hear God's holy and his infallible word. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says it to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and that all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. Just to remind us of our title once again in, this, uh, in the Essentials of a Healthy Church. Seeing our own sin. Seeing our own sin. And as we think about what it means to be a healthy church. No church on this earth before heaven is perfect. So every church, no matter what church it is, no matter how strong it is, has areas to work in. Why? Because we are sinners. We are lawbreakers. And it's only when we go to heaven, it's only when the new heavens and the new earth come, when we receive resurrected bodies, we will be changed and transformed. We'll no longer want to sin in the future. But we're not at that point just yet. But what happens when we forget this? That we are lawbreakers. That we've broken God's law and even continue to break God's law today. We are sinners. And it's to even say this. I am not a good person. You are not a good person. Jesus did not come to save good people. There's only one good person that ever walked upon the face of the earth. And he died. Crucified by a religious 
generation that thought themselves as good and that everybody else outside was bad. I am not a good person. And neither are you before the throne of God in and of our own selves. And the healthier of our church is, the more we will say amen to that. Yes, I am not a good person. And that's why I needed a savior. The Lord Jesus Christ. There's only been one good. That's why it even says in our text, there's none good, no, not one, except for one. The Lord Jesus Christ We cannot forget this as a church. We are sinners. We cannot forget the sickness of what we've been saved from. And we cannot forget even what we continue to struggle with today. We all struggle with sin. All of us. Because if we don't see the problem, we will ignore what? The warnings of the doctors. If you don't think you're sick, the warnings of the doctor seem silly. Unnecessary. Over the top even. And if we don't see the danger of sin. And the fact that we're sinners. The warnings of scripture. Ah we're fine. Blind people. Cannot see their sin. Dead people. Dead in trespasses and sins. Cannot see their sin. But if you've been made alive. If God has made, done a work in you. What has happened? You see the beauty of Christ. And you have a. A new found hatred for what? Sin. God has done a work in you. Taking you and bringing you to health. So as a church we must see the danger of following our own hearts. That we ourselves are sinners. Number one now. We're going to look at this text from verses 9 to verse 20. And we're going to look at it under three headings. The first heading is this. Not seeking healing. Not seeking healing. If you think you are fine, you're not going to look for medicine, are you? You only take medicine and you go for the tablets in the press only if you think that there's something wrong. The medicine is only interesting to you if you think you're not good. Something's wrong. Something needs to be fixed. You do not go to the doctor. You do not go to the hospital if you think... I'm fine. What does it say in our text? It says, Paul writes, and he's quoting here from Psalm number 14, which we sung earlier. As it is written, and then he quotes from Psalm 14, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. None righteous, no, not one. There's nothing new here. Paul is just saying, well, this psalm, which was written hundreds of years before Paul wrote this letter to the Romans, it's still true. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. Now, you may say that there's people in the world seeking after God. And there are. But there are people who've been born again of the Spirit of God. But not by nature. There is none by nature who seek this cure in and of their own selves. Nobody does. He is the divine medicine for the soul. Now, this morning, you may not remember 
when you first started believing in Jesus Christ. You may have been very young, you may have been three, you may have been two even. So you may think, well, I've always sought after God. So you may not have any recollection of a time when you didn't seek after God. But there was a time. There was a time. And we all had that time when we were dead in trespasses and sins. If you believe today, it's because God took pity on you. It's not because you saw him out. He sought you out and rescued you. This is true of everybody inside the church and outside the church. There's none that seeks after God of their own selves. It says in verse 9, Paul writes, What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Paul, when he's writing to the Romans, he explains that the whole world is under sin. Then he comes to a point where he has to explain, yes, there's blessings to being part of the Jewish people or being part of the visible church. But then he's going to, you know, people are going to think, are we better than they? Because if you look at Romans chapter 3, verse 1, what advantage then has the Jew? Or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. Great and wonderful blessings. We've been given as the church the scriptures. That's kind of what that means. We've been given the oracles of God. These are the oracles of God. But then what's going to come up and, and people are going to maybe be in danger of thinking, are we better than they? Are we? Now today we're spiritual Jews as in born again of the spirit. Are we better than those who have not come to know Jesus? It could be almost put today as well. And Paul says, not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews, those in the visible church, and Greeks, those outside, that they are all under sin. All under sin. Both. Both those inside and outside the church. In Psalm number 14, which was quoted by Paul in this part of Romans, this part of it is not quoted here. He says in Psalm 14, there is no God. No, sorry, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there are any who understand, who seek God. That's everybody apart from God. Everybody, no matter who they are, apart from the grace of God, is foolish toward God. Now, if you believe today, again, we say before, as we said again, it's not because of you. It wasn't because one day I decided to, to search out these things. If we did search out these things, it's because God got a hold of your heart. He opened your heart to see the beauties of Christ and to see the horribleness of sin. So you fled from your sin. Jesus even put it this way. In John 15 verse 16, you did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain 
that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. And that seeking to bear fruit is seeking after God. If you seek after God, that's bearing heavenly fruit. You're seeking after the physician or the doctor of your souls, the one who brings healing to you. Seeking for his help because in times of trouble, he's the only one who can help you. Apart from God's help, in and of our own selves, we are no better than anyone else. The person doesn't come to church this morning, we are no better than that. We've been recipients, we've received mercy, divine mercy. There was a pride parade, and sadly there'll be another pride parade this year, in Belfast. And there was a, we did a bit of, me and a number of other Christians, we were there handing out tracks and doing open air. And I was afraid that our message may become misunderstood. That we would be on one side and thinking, I was afraid we're going to come across as self-righteous. So the first thing I said to the people who clearly were against God and his word, we are no better than you. It's very important that when we're sharing the gospel with people, we're not coming across as self-righteous. I find it easier to say that than, than many, I think, who grew up in a Christian home because I came to know the Lord at 24 and I've done some wretched things. But we all must see, even though we may have not fallen into specific sins, that we're no better than those in the world. We've just received something wonderful. Do we think we're better than the thief? Do we think we're better than the homosexual? Do we think we're better than the drunk? Do we think we're better than the criminal or the drug dealer? Apart from the mercy of God, we're not. (coughs) If you do think you're better than them, then you're blind to your own sin. It says in Isaiah 55, verses 6 to 7, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon all of us. Jew and Greek, we all need divine mercy. We are all born unhealthy, you could say. We all deserve hell. Now the more you see the horribleness of your sin, the more Christ is going to be lovely and wonderful to you. And the more he's going to be a comfort to you. A comfort to you. So come to him for healing. Come to him. Yes, you believe maybe this morning, but come to him for more of him so that he will give you more comfort. He will turn away none who come to him for forgiveness. If you truly are sorry for what you have done wrong, he will forgive you. He will turn away none. Isaiah 53 verses 4 and 5 surely has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, and he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Healed. 
Are we any better than those not healed? No. By grace, we have been healed. By grace, again to remind ourselves, Paul writes, what then? Are we better than they? Not at all. Not at all. It says in Lamentations 3, verses 22 to 25, Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It's through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. And when Jeremiah wrote this, this was right after Jerusalem was destroyed. And in that devastation, he writes this, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Isaiah 65 verse 4, Blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you. Because who sought who out? God sought the sinner out. Because blessed is the man you choose and cause to approach you. That you may dwell, that he may dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, of your holy temple. Do you seek him? And if you seek him this morning, if you love him this morning, it's because he first loved you. He first loved you. So number one, not seeking healing. Number two now is not spreading healing. Not spreading (coughs) healing. When the disease, we could call it sin, not dreaded or shunned, evil is spoken about of the cure. The cure is evil spoken of. Spiritual healing is found only in the gospel. The gospel is the person of Jesus Christ embraced and loved. The light of the truth embraced and loved and the darkness of sin rejected. What does it say here in verses 12 to 14 of Romans chapter 3? Verses 12 to 14 of Romans chapter 3. Speaking again about all. That there is none righteous, no not one. Verse 12. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. What they spread is not truth. By nature. This is all by nature. And the tongue does much damage either in the world, and not just in the world, but also in the church. The tongue does much damage. And our tongue is this without the restraining of the Holy Spirit. If we don't sin and do this, what is described in this, maybe to a lesser degree or whatever it is, it is the Holy Spirit restraining us. The tongue of the natural man What does it speak? Verse 13, their throat is an open tomb. There's almost like a sense in which the natural man, by nature, speaks death. He he shares his own belief in life, which is this, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That is the world and all that is in the world. What will that lead to when followed? He spreads death. It says an open tomb. 
with their tongues, they have practiced deceit. If this is believed, it brings to death, eternal death, rather than eternal life offered only in Jesus Christ. Verse 14, and it talks about as well the poison of asps. That's like serpents is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Now, this may be difficult for us to wrap our minds around. You know, we think of our, our nice neighbors, friendly to us, we have good conversations with, and they're probably very friendly to us, and we may not see any of this from them, and they may not be believers in Jesus Christ. But it's not just our lost neighbors. This is us by nature. How about, though, let's think of it another way. What if we could take our thoughts, our thought life, just and even pick your best week that you've ever lived upon the face of the earth, and you put it on an overhead projector for everybody to see, not just your actions, but your thoughts, what you think of people. Put it before your best friend. What would happen? You'd probably run out of the room in embarrassment. We have thought things so wicked, even as believers, that we would never even share them with our best friend. While we struggle to see that these things are true at times, we have even by experience thought things, spread things that have been very much akin to what is spoken about here in this verse. Seeing that we all need, we all need to see our need to be forgiven. That we're really no better than anyone else. And when we see that, it humbles us. We see that we come before God and we're grateful for every single crumb that he gives us. And he gives us far more than crumbs. So we have really no reason to be bitter at all. It says, speaks about whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. We have no reason. If we're Especially as believers. And the unbeliever has no reason to be bitter either. He's been given rain and sunshine. He's been given the blessings of this world and this, this life. But the, un, the believer has, even, has many reasons, much more reasons to not be bitter. And to be thankful before almighty God. The poison of asps, it says. This, that's a venomous serpent. What is spread naturally by our tongues, it lies about the truth. So we're all going to need, from time to time, we're all going to need, every single one of us, myself included, correction. We all need healing in the one who died. If these lives are believed. If you're, if you're ever in a, in a strange country and you're bitten by a poisonous snake, what do you do? You say, ah, it'll be fine. Don't worry about that. That's swelling of it. Ah, don't worry about it. You'd run to the hospital as quickly as the car could go. You'd try to get there as quickly to the doctor and tell them exactly what kind of poison that is in your system. We would run. And the only way we're going to run spiritually to the healer is if the Holy Spirit opens our eyes to it. There are certain diseases actually in the world, even, even leprosy. One of the things I discovered about leprosy years ago, there's still parts of the world with little amounts of leprosy. 
You stop having the feeling of pain. That's one of the reasons why lepers will be known for their, their arms are <laughs> removed and skin is damaged. But the main thing is they don't feel pain anymore. They don't even know that there's anything wrong. If they put their hand on top of a hot stove or uh, anything, it was fire, they wouldn't feel the pain in order to pull their hand away. The Holy Spirit is the only one that's going to stop us from being spiritual lepers and make us sensitive to the danger of sin because there's none righteous, no, not one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks after God. Paul, the apostle, wants to be extremely clear to them. You did not seek after God. He rescued you. He rescued you. The Jews had a long lineage. Their their ancestors, their fathers went back not just hundreds of years, but they went back thousands of years. And they could all trace their lineage back to Abraham. But that did not save them. God saved any of them that that were saved. And by faith in Jesus Christ. But we were looking at the tongue here. The, the evidence of the natural man. And I think it's important that we point this out as well. You're going to see. See we struggle with the old man don't we? We have the new man. We've been born again. But we struggle with the old remaining sin with us. And the tongue is one of the most dangerous things for the health of a church. In James chapter 3, verses 5 to 8, it says this, Even so the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest, a little fire kindles. If you turn on the news and you see, you know, in Australia, forest fires, that was a tiny spark one day. And then it spread. And trying to get that forest fire under control was very, very hard. Now, the Bible describes, James writes here, it describes the tongue, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it sets on fire by hell. The tongue is so dangerous. We have got to be so careful what we say about believers in Jesus Christ. We have got to think the best of them, possibly. Sins of attacking people unjustly. There's many things. We can spread rumors and gossip and things that maybe not attack them physically, but attack their reputation. And dear friends... If we act in such a way, we are acting like our natural selves. Not selves have been transformed, but we're acting as if we don't know the Lord. The tongue, we must restrain it. And it is so difficult. We all struggle in this area to varying degrees. But ask the Lord for forgiveness if you have been guilty in this area yourselves. Number three now. So we looked at not seeking healing, number two, not spreading healing, and finally, number three, not serving healing. We are not, by nature now, this is all by nature, if you've been born again of the Spirit, you are, in an imperfect way, serving the one who is healing. But not serving healing, this is again by nature. 
Verses 9 and, verses nine and 10 says this, what, what then are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. And again, that idea of Jews, you could think of the, the church and the world at that time outside of the Jews all spoke the Greek language. This is why the Gentiles are called Greeks here. Verse 10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Then in verse 15, it says this, their feet are swift to shed blood. And that's us by nature. We don't walk to evil by nature. We run to it as quickly as our legs will carry us. We're swift to shed blood by nature. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And this is why it's so dangerous to follow our own ways. If you follow your own heart, boys and girls who are here this morning, if you follow your own heart, you will depart from the Lord. If you follow your own heart, destruction and misery will be your future. But if you follow Jesus, heaven is your future. Heaven is your reward. Christ himself is your reward. We could look at examples today, couldn't we? Of people who follow their own way. Who reject Christ in this generation. And we think of gender, male and female roles. There's such confusion today. There's such confusion over male and some basic things. God created them, male and female. It's pretty simple. But the world is at such war with the light of nature that they have gotten to a point where they think a man can become a woman and a woman can become a man. That starts with the rebellion in society. Now, I wonder if you've ever read in the Bible the book of Judges. The book of Judges. I hope you have. I hope you've read it many times. But it can be a hard book to get through. Because it was a very, very dark time. And there was a phrase that's repeated in the book of Judges. Judges 21 verse 25. In those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes they were serving self in their own opinion what they were doing was good and the book of Judges was a very very dark period in the book of Judges the people would fall away from God they would fall into grievous sin they would cry out to the Lord there would be oppression and the Lord would again send them a deliverer and then they'd go back to, to their old sin or a different sin why? Because everyone did what was right in his own eyes. He followed his own heart. Because they didn't see their sin. They thought, we're fine. We're fine. You do what's right in your own eyes because you don't see your sin. Only when an oppression came did they seek for God. Do you do what is right in your own eyes? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. Proverbs chapter 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding. To trust the Lord means you don't trust yourself. When 
Joseph was tempted by Potiphar's wife. He ran out of the room. Because even Joseph didn't trust himself. Wisdom is saying, my heart is the most dangerous thing. Yeah, the world, the flesh, and the devil, but my heart is the most dangerous thing that could ever lead me. It will bring me to misery. It will bring me to ruin. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace they have not known. There was no fear of God before their eyes. And when we follow our own hearts and trust ourselves, that's where we're at. No fear of God. Verse 19 says this, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, that all the world may become guilty before God. And the law is almost saying, it will silence everyone, because it will condemn everyone. Now our sins as believers in Jesus Christ have been taken away. They've been paid for on the cross of Calvary, and they've been paid for, so there's no more payment for those sins. If we've trusted in Jesus Christ, we're set free. But do we boast of ourselves? No. We boast of Jesus. There's boasting that goes on for the Christian, but it's not of ourselves. It's not in our performance. It's in Jesus the Christ. The whole world is guilty, including us, under the deeds of the law. Every mouth may be stopped there's going to be on the judgment day there's going to be no room for excuses ah but I did this because he was nasty to me so I did this sin there's no excuses for our sins on that day all the world would be found guilty all those outside of Christ where their sins have not been dealt with in Christ and to be a healthy church we must see that we are sinners verse 20 therefore by the deeds of the law That's our works. No flesh will be justified in his sight or declared righteous in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. And how do you know what sin is? The law of Almighty God. That law we read about earlier in Psalm 119. That law that we love because we wish to know what is good. And in knowing what is good, we then learn what is bad. Even though, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are still sinners, but we're changed sinners. While we never serve righteousness as much as we should, none of us, we ought to serve him today. Even with our imperfections, serve him today. Because He won't look at our imperfect service in Christ. He'll see Christ's perfect work. He will delight in it because of Christ. You see this? He will delight because of the physician of our souls who has healed us. And dear friends, your body may be weary today and may have physical illnesses. But there will be one day when there will be physical, perfect health. Spiritually, yes but also physically. We will have resurrected bodies. So the the great physician of our souls heals us completely, entirely, and takes away from us our love for that which does us the greatest harm. And he does it all for his glory. He does it all to honor and glorify his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this thought. 
And I heard this expression that really helps to emphasize this. We must see our sin for this reason. The blacker the sky at night, the more perfectly the stars shine through. The, more bl- the blacker the sky is at night, the night sky, you can see the stars shining through. And the blacker we see our own sin, we see what's shining through. The gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ, whose light shines through that has rescued us. If we play down our sin, if we play down our sin, it is not radiant or seen as radiant as it truly is. The more you see the radiance of what Christ has done, the more you give him praise, the more you give him honor, the more it shines through the darkness of what we are by nature, but we have been changed. Dear friends, we have been changed. Dear friends, we have been rescued. Dear friends, we have been given something that the world has no value for. But we should treasure this with every moment, longing for heaven to come. Dear friends, as a healthy church, to be a healthy church, we need to see our sin. We need to see how Christ has saved us from it. Amen.